Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Fixthenation.com. All righty. Trump won. Go figure. Now, half the country, very happy. Half the country, very frustrated, very confused, very emotionally involved right now. Now, why do I say that right up front? Because I'm going to walk you through my night because it is the opposite of what I had about four years ago. So as the night's playing out, now I had predicted Trump to win. You know, I had him for about 284. I had him turning Pennsylvania, but that's, that's the only real huge surprise on the map. I never saw Wisconsin or Michigan rolling over. Never. That being said, though, as the night plays out, you just got to feel that he was on this run. And there was literally history being made in the process. And for me, I'm sitting there going, whoa, yeah, whoa. Yeah, I just it was an emo, it was it was an up climbing uphill. It was, it was a good feel. But flip it around, because four years ago, I was sitting there going, "Oh, we gave this guy four more years. We got beat by this guy. Oh," and it was very defeating. Okay, well that's that's what the Hillary fans are feeling right now. Now, I don't say that as a, you know, it doesn't change anything, but I do recognize their pain, number one. Number two, it kind of sets the table for what we're going to discuss tonight, which it's first hundred days, but there's before we get even to the first hundred days, you've got to deal with the now and the in-between now and January 20th inauguration and and kind of a transitional piece, okay? Right now we have protests, quote-unquote, air quotes, going on all over the nation. Okay, now you can debate whether they're real or not, paid for or not, being orchestrated by Soros or not, all that kind of good junk. I don't care either way. These are still Americans, and they're still venting something. They're feeling something, they might be inspired, but you have to have something to be inspired from. So there's got to be something at the core anyway. Do I think it, it plays itself out? Yes, I think it does. Do I think that it's a little like a uh, the losing team of a Super Bowl on steroids? Kind of like that, that really fanatical fan. Sure. That being said, though, you still have to understand that they need a little time, a little bit of healing space. I don't say that, like give them a puppy. I say it, and you have to recognize the world we're in. Because if you are Trump, okay, let's just set the table. He had to beat off 16 primary opponents. He had to fend off the GOP National Party. He had to beat back the media. He had to beat back lies and innuendos. He had to beat back Hillary Clinton and the DNC. All right? Uh, He had everybody against him and only his small little camp and, quote-unquote, the American people on his side. So he had a lot of of people saying, you're going to fail. You're not uh, right for office. You know, and hitting him from every side with everything they could. It wasn't enough, but it, they, he, has, he has a feeling deep down his gut that he wants to grab that football now that he scored the touchdown and go wham and spike that football. Yeah, that felt good, didn't it? Here's the problem. The team you just beat is going to read into that, and you're not going to get a response that you're looking for if you're Trump. 
So you kind of have to take the high road. You've got to be the adult in the room, and you've got to think about a bigger day. This is not your moment. It's a win, but you don't need to spike the football now. Spike the football in six months when you pass some legislative agenda items that get you rolling. Time to be happy. That's time to feel good. Right now, you just got elected. Now the heavy lifting actually starts. This is when you have to learn to govern. Campaigning is the easy part. Just ask Obama. Governing is the hard part. So we're going to start with tone tonight. Donald J. Trump's tone. And so far, he's been on point. He says respectful thing. He's, he's staying calm. He's not overly reactive. He's not jumping all over anything. He's not creating ripples in the pond. He just has to keep a presidential demeanor about him because he has to start playing the president. And that's different than the reality TV star. That's different than the billionaire. That's different than the private citizen. He now represents all of us. Anything he does is attached to us now. Before it wasn't. Now it is. He is now going to be the president. Okay, he's the president-elect. So what he says matters. What he does matters. Eighteen months ago, no one really cared. Now, he's linked to 350 approximate million people. That matters. He's the most powerful man in the world on January 20th. That's where he's headed. So he needs to really be conscious of that, and I think he is. So far, so good. So his tone. Now, let's go back two weeks even and think about some of the core things he discussed in his campaign. Obviously, economy with tax reform. Obviously, he's got things like immigration or national security. Then he's got things in there like inner city poverty. He has things like education, corruption in D.C. Um, education is a piece of that. Infrastructure. Okay. Now, SCOTUS was in there, Supreme Court. Now, the reason I kind of laundry list all that real quick is he made campaign promises. And one of the things that we, the population, have become annoyingly used to is you say anything, get elected. Once you're elected, now everything changes. You know, oh, well, you know, I don't really have a plan to, you know, to create 25 million jobs. That was just, you know, you know a ballpark guess, etc. So one of the things he needs to do is strike a tone that's balanced because he needs to take his party pin off effective immediately – Put it in a drawer and forget about it for four years. He now stands in the middle of the aisle of Congress and pulls the left and the right together to do what's right for America, what's good for the American people. That's what leaders do. They represent all of us. You can't sit there and spike the football and alienate the Democrats and alienate the never-Trump pieces of your side and say, I've got enough. I'm going forward. I'm just going to ram stuff through. Because no offense, that's exactly what Obama did eight years ago. And the Congress rebelled on him two years later and, and created an obstructionist wall he couldn't get through. And that's where we are today. So if you're Trump, you have to understand something. What you do right now every day matters. Your tone matters. You are setting the table, good or bad, for possibly or possibly not bipartisan dialogue moving forward. An actual functional government, an actual thing where people professionally and civilly can have conversation and interaction and debate to craft great legislation for all of us. I didn't say capitulation. I said interaction. There's a difference. You want to involve the Democrats in the process. That was Obama's huge issue 
eight years ago. He said, stand over there. We're doing what we want to do. Just just be quiet. We're going we're gonna to get to work over here. And he excluded them, literally. Overly inclusive to get them in the conversation. I think it's literally one of his first priorities. He needs to reach out to them and get them to the Oval Office and have a meeting of senior staff of the Democrats and get them to, to, to open up a dialogue. They need to have a participation in this process because they're going to do one of two things. They're going to sit there and obstruct him as best they can and, string, and lengthen things out and slow him down, or they're going to jump in and play ball with him on certain things that they share common ground on. And one of the things, that if I read Trump well enough, he wants to negotiate. He wants good deals for the American people. But there's a lot of things. Again, remember, he's a former Democrat, and he is, compared to Cruz, more moderate on a lot of issues. So it, 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 he has the right chunk of the Democrat Party and the left middle of the GOP. That's kind of his main group. So he doesn't really have to go from far, far right and say, come way over to me. He's in that middle ground anyway. What he wants to do, like immigration, if he gets his wall and secures the border and he has extreme vetting, I don't think he's real committed to deporting, uh, deporting 12 million people. I don't think that's his really first priority. He wants the criminals out. I don't think he necessarily wants to stomp his feet and say, everybody has to go. I think that's a negotiating piece he's willing to wiggle on. If I read it right. Now, is that a problem or not? Time will tell. Am I right on that? I don't know. Things like the tariff on trade. I don't think he sits there and actually wants to throw 35% tariffs up across the board. I think he wants his leverage to get these countries to sit down at a table and rethink the, the deals we have to make them more fair and balanced for the U.S., so it's leverage to get them to talk, not necessarily a reality that's going to happen. Things like that. But right now, and again back to tone, what he says now matters. If he's too if he's too flamboyant in his language or behavior, if he's offsetting to the Democrats, it's gonna hurt him. Because there's gonna come a time he's gonna need a few of their votes to help get something passed. And they won't be there for him because of something he says today or tomorrow. He has to think that way. It's got to be a very big strategic piece of his puzzle right now. Because a lot of what he wants to do is going to happen really quick, really quick. And a lot of it they can't stand in the way of. But that next, that next wave, they can. We'll get that in a second. So the tone of what he, what he talks about, his tenor. Will it help or it's going to hurt him? Does he reach out to others or not? And I'll try, I'll try to give you a little, I don't know, it's, 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 it's a difference. There are the never Trumps, which did everything they could to keep him out of office. And there are the Democrats, who obviously were against him as well. But there's a difference. One is, inside your own party, a faction that's disloyal. And one is the opposition, which is supposed to fight you. So to me, there's a big distinction. If I'm Trump, the never Trumps, they need to come find me. They need to come make good, good to me. I, I'm willing to, to, to make up. I'm willing to take their apology. I'm willing to, to put it behind us. I don't even want them to kiss my ring. But the flip side is they need to find me. Burden's on them to come to me if I'm Trump. But... With the Democrats, it's different. If I'm Trump, burden's on me to reach out to the Democrats. They did what they were supposed to. They were supposed to campaign against me. They were supposed to hit me with everything they were supposed to hit me with. Now, you can say dirty or not dirty. It doesn't matter. In the end game, you know, they both sides unloaded. There's no one who's a saint in this last election, that's for sure. So now the question is, Will he do that? Will he reach out? I'm hoping the answer is yes. Because it will set the table again for 
three, four, five months from now. So you got to plant that seed now and let it sprout wings. Mixing metaphors, but eh, whatever. Let's talk about appointments for a little bit. Announcement today was Marines Priebus is now going to be the chief of staff. Steve Bannon will be a, uh, what they call him, a strategic counselor, a strategic advisor. Okay, that's about right. I agree on both of those. I don't think Bannon would have passed through confirmation. Um, I think Priebus will fly through. That being said, have a lot of other spots to fill. So I tried to do a, a, a mock one as best I could. And some of them are pretty obvious, and some are some curveballs. And then I started noticing something. So I'll, I'll try as best I can to give you a, an idea. You know, defense, I think, is sessions. Um, Health and Human Services, Carson. Um, Priebus, I picked as a staff. You know, so I was right on that one. Christie for AG. Giuliani uh, for uh, Homeland Security. I could see Gingrich uh, slide into the National Security Advisor role. Um, Conway, I think, is Press Secretary. Um, UN Ambassador is Richard Grinnell. Um, Treasury, probably Henserling. Um, Commerce is probably D'Amico. And I think uh, he replaces the Fed. I don't think Yellen cuts mustard, not what he's looking for. That's probably Richard Fisher. You know, and I would probably say I, th- I think Rick Perry will probably end up with a slot somewhere. I could think probably Interior, maybe something like that. I don't think he'll pick Palin. Um, but if I go through all those names, all right, I've got a female in there. We've got an African American in there, and I have someone who's who's gay in there. Okay, but there's not a lot of other color or thing, and and that that can now I'm not I'm not someone. So we're we're clear. I'm not someone that looks for race or religion or gender on anything in my life. I make decisions completely void of that specifically. But I don't think Trump has has that luxury, although that's kind of how he's built. He picks the best person for the job. He doesn't necessarily look and say, I want you because you're a woman. I think he wants you because you're the best person for the job. If he wanted the best contractor in the city, he'd get that person, male or woman, no matter what the race, because he wants the best contractor. That's kind of how he thinks. He's a businessman. He wants the best, so he's going to get the best. Who that person is doesn't really matter. But I think given the office and given the pressure he'll be under, he'll need to spread around a little bit. It's like if you pick everyone who's a conservative, it would make people really nervous. Or everyone who's more, you know, a moderate GOP, it would make people nervous. Everyone who's, you know, an establishment GOP, it would, make, it would freak people out. You're going to drain the swamp, but you, but you hired the swamp, that kind of mentality. So I think he needs to, to find people, and I'm curious what he does, that are, will balance this out and kind of give it more, more not color, but more, more balance. You know. And I don't have those names. I'll be curious what these, these appointments bring. Um, I'm sure we'll be fed one probably one or two a week, you know, and it will just kind of take on a life of its own as it starts to fill in. I think he will move fast. I absolutely think that this administration that will start actually acting, um, the Congress anyway, will act early January. And they will have legislation ready for him to sign literally on day one, literally on day one. So he'll take office and then go to a meeting and sign legislation. Like It'll be almost instantaneous on some things. I don't think that his first 100 days are a slow walk in the park. I think his first 100 days are a really big deluge of getting some necessary things done. And we'll go over that list in a minute. But it's going to be a quick, quick process on a lot of fronts. Um, And he's got a a lot of work to do. Um, So he's going to need a lot of leaders around him that are competent and qualified. And I think he's He's proven he chooses people like that. And he's also, by the way, he's also very willing to let you go if you're not getting it done. Remember something. He went through three campaign managers in a single year. Think about that. 
he rolled off two and ended up with Kelly and Conway. And if he hadn't made those moves at the times he made those moves, he wouldn't be here right now in the position he is. So you can say shame on him for picking the people originally, but he's sharp enough to, if it's not getting it done, you make a change. So I, if you take a job with him, I'm not sure if it's the typical you're guaranteed your four-year stint kind of mentality or you get your two years. You need to get in there and get it done. You need to get in there and be a part of the team. He's not going to carry dead weight. You're not going to be there and be a poster child. That'll be kind of refreshing, too. First 100 days, let's talk about some priorities. One thing, I went back and found a copy of the speech that he gave, the Gettysburg speech, and he goes through a kind of a, a laundry list of what's his priorities. So I'm going to go through a lot of these. Um, if you want to call in, you're welcome to. I will give the, uh, the phone number out if you are ready. Um, area code 657-383-0241. If you want to call in and talk about the Trump election and his first 100 days, what you'd like to see done or appointments you'd like to see, um, give me a quick little comment or question. That would be cool. Um, again, that's 657 383 That being said, let's work on this. Um, first 100 days, make America great again. It's contract between myself and the American voter. and begins with restoring. Now, again, he says contract with myself and the American voter. Restoring honesty, accountability, and change to Washington. On the first day of my term of office, my administration will immediately pursue the following six measures to clean up the corruption and special interest collusion in Washington, D.C. First, propose a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on all members of Congress. Second, a hiring freeze on all federal employees to reduce federal workforce through attrition, exempting military, public safety, and public health. Third, a requirement that every new federal regulation for everyone, that two existing regulations be eliminated. Fourth, a five-year ban on White House and congressional officials becoming lobbyists after they leave the government. Fifth, a lifetime ban on White House officials lobbying on behalf of a foreign government. Sixth, a complete ban on foreign lobbyists raising money for American elections. Two, on the same day, I will begin taking the following seven actions to protect American workers. First, I will announce my intention to renegotiate NAFTA or withdraw from the deal under Article 2205. Second, I will announce our withdrawal from the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Third, I will direct my Secretary of the Treasury to label China a currency manipulator. Fourth, I will direct the Secretary of Commerce and U.S. Trade Representatives to identify all foreign trade abuses that unfairly impact American workers and direct them to use every tool under American and international law to end those abuses immediately. Fifth, I will lift the restrictions on the production of $50 trillion worth of job-producing American energy reserves, including shale, oil, natural gas, and clean coal. Sixth, lift the Obama-Clinton roadblocks and allow vital energy infrastructure projects like Keystone Pipeline to move forward. Seventh, cancel billions in payments to U.N. climate change programs and use the money to fix America's water and environmental infrastructure. Additionally, on the first day, I will take the following five actions to restore the security and the constitutional rule of law. First, cancel every unconstitutional executive action, memorandum, and order issued by President Obama. Second, begin the process of selecting a replacement for Justice Scalia for one of the 20, from one of the, uh, one of the 20 judges on my list who will uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. Third, cancel all federal funding to sanctuary cities. Fourth, begin removing the more than 2 million criminal Ill illegal immigrants 
from the country and cancel visas to foreign countries that won't take them back. Fifth, suspend immigration from terror-prone regions where vetting cannot safely occur. All vetting of people coming into our country will be considered extreme vetting. Next, I'll work with Congress to introduce the following broader legislative measures and fight for their passage within the first 100 days of my administration. Okay, I'm just going to read the title of these. Middle Class Tax Relief and Simplification Act and the the Offshoring Act, which deals with uh, jobs going overseas. American Energy and Infrastructure Act. School Choice and Education Opportunity Act. Repeal and Replace Obamacare Act. Affordable Child Care and Elder Care Act and Illegal Immigration Act fully funds the construction of a wall. Restoring Community Safety Act, which deals with crime and drugs. Restoring National Security Act and Clean Up Corruption Corruption in Washington, D.C. Act. On November 8th, Americans will be voting for the uh, 100-day plan to restore prosperity to our economy, security to our communities, and honesty to our government. This is my pledge to you. If we follow these steps, we will once more have a government of, by, and for the people. I want you to think about the contract statement at the beginning and the pledge to you at the end. That does not sound like a man who isn't going to follow through. So take it at face value, believe, don't believe, but for right now, You've got, to, you've got to trust he's going to follow through with most of this or at least the directional piece of this, if not the details of this. But that's a lengthy list, and a lot of that stuff is day one, and most of the legislative pieces are going to fall into line pretty quickly. Like none of that is going to fall, fall into the summer. He'll take office, and 100 days later, that list will be done or won't be being pursued. There's a difference. Um, Again, if you do want to call in, area code 657-383-0241. Give a call and uh, see what you have to say about the election or any questions about the first 100 days or comments or about appointments or what your ideas would be. I'm pretty excited, but I will say he has to kind of, again, watch his tone, make smart, smart appointments, that are strategic. And again, he's talked the talk. And this is where it gets tricky because now he's got to actually walk the walk, right? There's a difference. Anybody can find problems with somebody else's stuff. Oh, Obamacare sucks because of X, Y, and Z. You can say that. Any chucklehead can find a problem with something. But if you ask that same person, well, what would you recommend then? Uh, 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 and they get all tongue-tied because they don't have the solution. And it's healthier in life. If you're going to come up with a problem, find a solution for the problem you're bringing up. Hey, this doesn't work. Let's do this. Now, now that's someone I want to have a conversation with. Real tough dealing with negative people, people who only tell you what's, why it's going to fail. This is why it won't work. If you're Donald Trump, you don't want to hear that. You need to hear things that aren't yes. You want yes people around you, but you need people who are problem solvers around you because it can't be just be him doing this. He has to have a lot of people that are willing to answer the call and get things done for the American people in line with what Donald J. Trump's bigger vision is for America. I don't think it's a difficult thing to do. Um, I will say if if I read him right, I also think there's some other thing on his list. It would not stun me that tax reform from the Kevin Brady package from the House Ween, uh, Ways and Means Committee jumps right in there. Um, Obamacare gets uh, repealed or replaced. Um, enforce the immigration laws that are currently on the books, but also go forward with proposing a, a more comprehensive immigration reform. He'll start the cleanup of D.C. Um, I will say one thing. The, the infrastructure package that he's mentioned, he's mentioned, I, I want to say it's something like a trillion dollars you know, over the next 10 years. See, in this, 
this is the part of him that makes me nervous. Because, again, I agree with most of his policies, but every time he talks, it's, it's about spending money. And that's what we've done for a lot of decades. It's what put us in this $20 trillion mess. It's why we can't balance our books each year. I am hoping he is smart enough and savvy enough to understand that anything he does needs to be offset some way. And I have to trust him enough. She was horrible, but he has issues. So he's the lesser, worse option for me. But the flip side is I have to trust that he's going to do the right thing and start working on things like, oh, I don't know, balancing the budget. I know silly other things like, oh, I don't know, dealing with the national debt, which is $20 trillion. You know, he's already talked about vamping up the, the economy overall. And we'll say this, there, if, if you take a look at some of the leverage he has, it doesn't seem like it's leverage, but it really is. If you have, think about this, he's been elected since Tuesday. So in less than a week, Canada and Mexico have both expressed they're opening, they're open to renegotiating NAFTA. Super. So that's, why wasn't that, that done earlier if it was that easy? Because no one asked is my answer. China has already reached out and wants to play nice. Now, again, it could be a soundbite, but it might be real. That they want to come find him is a really, really great first step. We'll see what that means in the end game, but it's really interesting the players are starting to come to him, whereas the read on him prior to was the world was going to rebel if he got elected. So far, the people rebelling are the Hillary supporters and the anarchists who are up in arms. I don't get that, by the way. I never will. Both my boys, who are, you know, too young to vote, are just, they look at these people and say, why, aren't, why can't they just get over it? Why can't they just, you know, understand the election when didn't go their way and move on? You know, because my kids have lost soccer games. They don't cry afterwards. They go shake hands. They're good sports, and they move on. They go play the next game next week. You know, there are things that they've failed at. We all have. We all have our failures. You know, we all have things that, you know, don't happen on our watch. Okay, so that's that's number one. I agree. They need to kind of mature up. It It's more than mind-boggling that they need stress counseling because of the election, um, that universities are going to take it easy on them testing-wise because they know they're going through a rough time right now. And I'm going to go back to something I've said time and time again. This generation that's growing up right now is coddled. They are so amazingly coddled. And I don't understand it because I would go back, <laughs> and this is, we just had Veterans Day, and my dad was a, uh, a chief petty officer in the Navy. And he was on a bus going to San Diego to join the day before Pearl Harbor. Okay, just to give you some time sequencing. That being said, <laughs> he was 18 and fighting for his country in a world war. These people that are about that age can't handle losing an election while they have their iPhones, their computers, their bastion of university knowledge and college education going on, and everything's being paid for by mommy and daddy. That's just stunning to me, how far we have fallen. What if we had World War III right now? What would they do? Just melt? Just crawl into a hole and whimper? Doesn't it make you a little nervous about what the next, the next generational leadership be- becomes? I hope there are strong among them because I look at this and it's just mind-numbing. I also watch the police. It can sound backwards, but it seems like they are protecting them while they loot and vandalize. That's kind of what it seems like. You know, and I get they don't want to combat them 
and make this a firestorm and make this, you know, incite riots and things of that nature. I get that piece of it. But once you start breaking windows and doesn't now don't you kind of haven't you crossed the line? Like I'm all for your right to protest and your right of expression. I will I will defend you on that level on no matter what you want to talk about. But the minute you cross that line and you become a looter, uh, you become violent. Okay, now now you're out of the main. Yeah, now you're not protecting anymore. Now you're a criminal. I don't understand why that is allowed to continue. It's frustrating. But I will say this. Tea Party still happens today, meaning still alive and well. Remember Occupy Wall Street, how that kind of came and went? There's not a lot of follow-through in a lot of this. And if you watch the behaviors these people are spending more time on their phones videoing things and talking to each other than they really are protesting. They might physically be, be there, but they're not really actively involved. So needless to say, I don't think it, it's around very long. They'll have their day, they'll speak their piece, and then we'll go back to normal, whatever normal is. Um, but I will say this, a lot of it depends on Trump. If he were to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, that will in fact fuel them. So again, it goes back to tone, right? Tone. First hundred days. It's amazing to go back. Let's go back in the last, the last eight years. Obama if you were to say, let's make a list of everything he's, quote-unquote, accomplished in his last eight years. What would be on the list of the good things, the memorable moments? You're obviously, you're obviously going to put Obamacare on there. Now, forget whether you love or hate it. It's, it's, a, it's a noticeable achievement. Okay. Probably have to put Dodd-Frank on there. You know, would you put the financial bailout on there? I guess you'd have to, you know, but it's kind of a balance of, well, but he did spend, you know, $9 trillion just to get through that, let alone the deficit spending, which brings his rocking total of $13 trillion in debt that he racked up on his watch. $13 trillion. That's a big number. Oh, we got dealt a bad hand. Thirteen trillion dollars. Here's the weird part. Once I get past that, I really don't know what else to point at. There's nothing else. When's the last time that Congress did something productive? I mean, something real. I don't mean a, you know, reconciliation budget. I don't mean raise the debt ceiling, you know, something they they were forced to go do because they had to do I mean something that actually made our world better. They actually passed real legislation. What you think about that? I can't remember. Besides Dodd-Frank and Obamacare, I don't remember a single piece of legislation in the last eight years that I would consider be noteworthy. And that should make you incredibly sad. And that's why we are here today. That's why. That's why. Donald J. Trump is now in office because what we had doesn't work. So we need, call it a fresh set of ideas, definitely a fresh leader, hopefully a reinvigorated, oh, no, I'm going to say, I'm going to go past that. It's not even reinvigorate. You know when uh, someone has, you know, the, and hard issue, and you see it go, you know, the monitor goes flatline. So you pull out the paddles, you know, clear, you know, and they, you know, shock them, and you see the heartbeat start to go. You watch a movie like that? Yeah. Well, that's a little like what Trump needs to do with the bipartisan, inclusive dialogue of professional civility that he has to jumpstart 
and start again. We had it all the way in history. We had it all the way through Bush. The Obama eight years killed it. And I think both sides yearn to get back to it. So I think both sides will be willing to do it. Because you can stand on an ideologue, principled moment all you want. But at the end of the day, you need to get things done. You cannot put people who are obstructionists in government. That's not governing. Then don't elect anybody. Just have a vacant seat. Save the money. It's like taking your baseball and going home. What fun is that? Don't you want to play the game if you lose? Maybe you get better. Maybe you grow your talent level. Maybe someday you will win because of it. You know? And a lot of things depend on what the topic is. You know, if you want to talk about immigration, building the wall, he's, he's going to build his wall. He's going to extreme vet. He has all the rights to do this. It's on the books right now. doesn't even need the legislation to go do it. But if he wants to do a comprehensive immigration reform, he's going to need some help to do it. He'll need some votes from one side. He'll need people to come to the middle and agree on certain core beliefs that are making America better, that are upgrading our immigration practices. They haven't been touched, by the way, in 20 years. Criminal justice reform, 20 years. Tax reform, 30 years. These are archaic things. And here's the kicker. At some point... In some way, they all, all, will be forced to confront entitlements. And that's specifically when he will need as much help as he can get, as much inclusion as they can get. Because when you're dealing with the number one hitter on the budget, and one that affects most people in America, and it's very touchy, it's a toxic subject, but you have to deal with it to handle the budget piece, which gets deficit in order, which allows you to get to the national debt and deal with that. At some point, that will become a, it won't happen in year one, but in year two, probably, that's going to become a topic, and they're going to have to deal with it, and that will take everybody. And if you right now say, just stay over there, Democrats, Republicans have all three pieces. We're just going to do what we want to do. You can do that for the, for the short term. But at some point, you need their votes. They won't be there for you. They'll vote no just to vote no. Now they're going to obstruct you because they can. They'll filibuster you because they can. They're not disagreeing. It needs to be reformed. They just don't want to play ball with you because you were mean to them before. Now you've gotten emotional, so now they're going to be emotional. Because your tone, your approach, initially, did not speak well. Build those bridges now. Create those relationships now. Be inclusive now. We have it our way. You know, they did it to us eight years ago. So now it's our turn. We, now we get everything we want. I got a tip for you. If you're Republican or conservative, I want you to go back eight years. I want you to feel how you felt eight years ago, seven years ago, when Obamacare was being rammed down your throat and you couldn't do a darn thing about it. Think about how really upset you were that that was going on. I got a tip for you. You want to feel that way? I don't. And I was raised better. I don't want other people to feel that way because I went through it. I sure though don't want to spread around the pain. Can we? Yeah, we can ram crap through right now. That doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And it's extremely short-sighted. If you ram things through now, 
just to make a point, just to spike the football. I got a tip for you. You're going to have issues down the road because at some point you'll need a couple votes from the other side. And you know what's going to happen, right? You won't be able to get them. Let's talk about immigration for a second. Let's pretend that negotiating, okay, Trump decides, you know what, I really don't want to deport 10 million people. You know, let's deport the criminals and keep the rest. Now he's got the far right side of the party. And he's got five or six people out there. And they get pissy. More, 10. Oh, that's crazy. We're not doing immigration reform. Oh, I can't sign off for that. My people, I'm voting no. Okay. Well, what's going to happen is he can turn around to the Democrats, and because he's not going to deport people, they can sign off on the rest of it. So 10 Democrats cross over. So if he plays the inclusion game now and the relationship building now and is truly representative of all Americans now, one, a lot of the fears that the other half, the, the scared half of America has, will will calm down. A lot of the people that are scared that they'll be left out in the cold will be included. A lot of things that need to get done will still get done, but they will start to understand that this is the healthy way that government is supposed to function for the American people. Because contrary to pub, you know, public opinion, our government is there to serve us. And the government's there to make our world better. In the history of history, we've always been able to work together. If Reagan can work with Tip O'Neill and Clinton can work with Gingrich, why, in the name of all it's holy, can't Trump and Ryan find a way to work out with the Democrats on the other side of the aisle? Okay. Why can't they find a way, a way to work with the Democrats in the House? We can ram things through on party lines. That's not healthy. It's extremely short-sighted. And that's got to be bigger message. Truly, truly the bigger message. Those first hundred days, they're going to happen fast. There's a lot of things flying around. The appointments are going to happen. The tone's got to be right. They'll pass the baton on January 20th. He'll sign things on that very day and the next to get the ball rolled to jumpstart things. And we'll know early on what the agenda is. You'll, you'll see it. They'll, it'll, it'll be out there in black and white. Now, just a peek behind the curtain. Since January, uh, Paul Ryan has had certain core things. Um, Health care, tax reform, poverty, um, economy. Mm. Uh, there are two more. There are six different pieces that are all being worked on since January. And these are all being written. Um, and there are other ones that are kind of side projects. Um, Medicare, Medicaid is being worked on. Um, Workfare is being worked on. Um, criminal justice just started up in July. Um, that was a bipartisan committee. Finally got around to it. Do you realize it took the government eight months just to pick the committee? Just eight months. Eight months just to pick who would be on the criminal justice committee. Isn't that just embarrassing? But again, that, that represents old school, these last eight years of Washington. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Trump's going to be patient and wait eight months for a committee to fire off? Picture those tweets. <laughs> And the good thing about him is he truly has a bully pulpit, and there's not a shy bone in his body. So if Congress isn't moving fast enough, make bank on this. He will call them out for not having – come on, guys, let's get this done. What are you waiting on? The people need this. Step up and be better. And that will be him about his own party, by the way. He is a very firm believer in holding people accountable. That's why he was willing to hire you. He's willing to fire you. He's willing to reward you, but he's willing to make you feel some pain. There's some life lessons in that. I don't think he coddles very much. But then take a look at his family and 
see how they ended up and ask yourself a question. Does it work? Tone. Trump. Nerves. The appointments. And the first hundred days. About six months about six months from now, we're gonna have a really interesting outlook on where this country's headed overall. Really interesting outlook. I'm excited. I am because I think we're about to get a uh just think economically. Usually when I say it economically, people calm down because it's not an emotional issue. You're not talking about something that's a social concern. But if he can just get half of the trade imbalance back, if his tax reform goes through and simply gives one point of growth, he'll have a 4% growing economy at that point in time. And no one, no one under the age of around 28 has ever seen a 4% economy. So basically the entire millennial generation thinks what we have now is normal. This is typical. This is supposed to happen. They don't think the last eight years are an anomaly that are horrific. They think the last eight years are normal. This is what the U.S. is when it's nothing like what the U.S. is. I'm going to shift gears. I mentioned leverage earlier. Let me expand that a little bit. When you have leverage, you have leverage in really interesting ways. Um, we have $2.5 trillion in profits overseas. We decide we want to repatriate that money. Tax it, some of it comes back. If we give it a tax holiday and it comes back for zero, let's just pretend that for a second, it comes back at light speed. Okay. Now let's flip it inside out. Let's find out where the money is actually being held. Let's say it's being held in France. Funny, money coming out of France puts pressure on those French banks or UK or Italian banks or Swiss. No matter where those banks are, those trillions of dollars of funds coming out put pressure on that loan ratio. Just like we have our stress tests for our banks here, they have stress tests there too. They have capital requirements. Where do they go to make up that $2.5 trillion? Now, Grant's not on one bank. I get that. But still, on the size of things, that's not a small chunk of change. Even if you're talking globally, it's not a small chunk of change. You know, leverage. Things like um, the trade imbalance. We are the number one consumer nation on the planet. Single biggest country. Single biggest economy by far. By $6 trillion biggest economy. You want to do business with us. We are, in fact, the big elephant in the room. We haven't acted like it for the last eight years because we have a leader who doesn't want to act like we're the best country on the planet. We now have a leader who absolutely will represent us like we are, in fact, the biggest, baddest country on the planet. So now the question is, how do we use that leverage smartly without making other countries necessarily hate us or, or crash and burn because of it? We're not looking for other countries to have an economic meltdown because we take our toys and go home. But we also don't want other countries to benefit because we're losing our wealth and jobs here. That, that's not fair to us. And I think balance is what we're looking for. So leverage is in the eye of the beholder, but it's also something we need to use to get what we need. Right now, Mexico has a trade imbalance with us. They would be hugely mistaken to have us opt out of NAFTA and just decide we're not going to play with you anymore. They would lose more than we would. Yes, we'd feel pain. We'd get over it. We'd fix it. 
we'd find other countries. And their economy, they'd have a revolution on their hands. I want to say it's something like $58 billion, I want to say, of trade imbalance. That's a big number. So when you talk about them paying for the wall, that's what he's talking about. Just balance that out, and all of a sudden, that money pays for itself. Free money that no one's ever acted on before. Four and a half percent of our GDP is bleeding across a border to other countries. And nobody has even opened up and said boo about it before until Donald J. Trump decided to bring it to the table. That's what leaders do. They find what's broken and they fix it. Be curious what else he fixes. I'll be curious how he goes about the process of fixing. And I'm curious who he picks as leaders on his appointments. I think his Supreme Court pick will happen very quickly. I think because he has the Senate and the House, that whoever that appointment is gets confirmed fairly quickly. A lot of pomp and circumstance, but unless there's something, you know, incredibly wrong, should have a fairly streamlined way through. That's the good news. Um, and again, I think that will make certain people, because that was a big concern coming into the election, know if she won, the court gets hugely liberal very quickly. With him being elected, at least now it keeps the balance it had. And I'll say this again, I'm a big believer in balance. I do not think we should act like a Neanderthal because we're the biggest country on the planet, but I do think we need to use a little bit of our swagger because that's leverage. You know, you shouldn't feel you should be able to cross us. Picture the, uh, the itty-bitty little boats, I think it was Iran, that would serve around, you know, our Navy vessels over there. Oh, heck no. Here's your warning shot. You ignored it. Now you die. Lesson learned. That's not shame on us. That's shame on you. That's, go ahead. Walk up to a tiger who's sleeping and hit it with a stick. Wake the sleeping bear. Good luck. There's certain things you just, you need to know you can't do. And that's not a threat in any way, shape, or form. It's common sense. But if you hit, you hit the tiger and the tiger wakes up and the tiger doesn't do anything, well, I guess it's okay then. I guess it's normal. So a bizarre relationship is now established. And then someday, eventually, when the tiger bites, you'd be confused. What? That makes no sense. So that being said, we should be careful with how we go about using our size and scope. And speaking of size and scope, we need to reduce the size and scope of our government. I still think we should consolidate the cabinet down from 16 to 8, push back education EPA to the state level. That does a little bit of it. But combine things like defense and veteran affairs, you know, basically once you join the military, we t- we t- we'll take care, take care of you for life. Now it's a seamless transition. You wouldn't have, you know, the VA people, you know, being incompetent in what they do. You've got to streamline the bureauc- bureaucracy to be effective for the people, but not have waste in government. It's the wrong, wrong kind of money to spend, especially when you don't have money around. So that's what I have. Um, again, I am FixNation.com. I'm John Jensen. You can reach me at, at FixTheNation on Twitter, or you can email me at SuggestionBox at FixTheNation.com. Feel free. Um, yes, I do still have three books that are available. Actually, four books, rather. Um, three political books available on Amazon.com. It's FixNation.com, Why Go Conservative, and One Grand Bargain. Um, feel free. Give it a read. Um, you can paperback it, your choice. Um, that's Amazon.com. John A. Jensen, again, all right, with Fix Nation. Thank you very much for listening. God bless, and have a great night, and keep the faith.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.